Zalmana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 94 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. So to start off this episode, I'd like to announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway, as I normally do. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 93 was entered to win the beautiful Top Down book by Elizabeth Doherty. I selected a commenter at random, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Wendy or Wendaloo on Ravelry. Congratulations, Wendy. I'll be in touch soon to arrange for your prize to be shipped out to you right away. Thank you to everyone who participated this time around. And if you didn't win, please don't get discouraged. There will be another drawing giveaway for you to enter that I'll be announcing later on in this episode. So keep entering. You never know. Your name may be called next time around. Well, can you believe it? 2015 is nearly over. I don't know about you, but this year has really flown by for me. I know, I think I say that at the end of every year, but this year seems to have gone especially fast. But all in all, it's been a great year for me. I've got to do a bit of traveling, I opened up my tiny little yarn shop, and I did lots of designing and knitting. And because of this busy year, it's given me so many new ideas and I just have so many new things I want to accomplish in 2016. I'm really looking forward to the new year. So speaking of that, I have some announcements to make. First of all, I will be starting that mystery knit along for my new shawl design that I've been talking about on January 8th. I'm so excited. Basically, how it's going to work is that I'll be releasing the shawl pattern in a series of four sections. So the first section is what's going to be coming out on the 8th. And three more sections every subsequent Friday thereafter. With the last section being released on Friday the 29th. I hope that all of you interested will join up with us at the beginning of January so that we can all do it together. But of course, Anyone's welcome to join at any time. It's not going to be closed or anything once it starts. Also, the pattern will be available in its entirety after the knit along is over with. So each section that's going to be released will contain both charted and written instructions, but it will also contain zero pictures. It's a mystery after all, right? It'll be fun because you know that you're going to end up with a shawl in the end, but you don't know what's coming next in the pattern. As I mentioned before, this knit along will be for a large, warm shawl, heavy in texture, cables, leaves, and lace. It's a bit of everything. Now if that sounds daunting, don't worry. If you can figure out the first section, I really strongly believe that you'll be fine with the rest. I'll also be opening a mystery knit-along thread in the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group so that everyone can support each other along the way and help each other through each section. 
and I'll also be on there to answer any questions you may have about the pattern or how to work specific stitches. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm really excited about it and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope that you will join us. So if you want to make sure that you're all ready to go with your supplies before the knit along starts, I'll tell you now that the shawl takes roughly 400 grams of worsted weight yarn or somewhere around 880 yards. When I originally worked up my first sample on the needles, I used Cascade 220 yarn, four skeins of it, and that's a really great inexpensive option. But you, of course, could always go with a more luxurious yarn like Malabrigo or Madeleine Tosh. But just keep in mind that there is a lot going on in this shawl pattern, so you may not want to all of the texture competing with a lot of color changes. So I would recommend keeping it simple. Go with a solid or a semi-solid colorway. For the final sample, I chose to have the shawl knit up in the beautiful Fiber Company yarn, their newest blend. It's called Cumbria. I love all Fiber Company yarns, but I was specifically interested in this newest blend because of the texture. It's made from two different types of wool and a little bit of mohair. So there's a little slight halo to it, which I really like the look of when it's paired with cables. So there's another yarn idea for you to think about. The nice thing about this shawl and really any other shawl is that gauge isn't super important. If you wanted to go with a thinner or thicker yarn from your stash than what the pattern calls for, which is a worsted weight yarn, you're just going to end up with either a smaller or larger shawl. It's not really that big of a deal. It's not like a sweater where fit is super important. If you have a question about what yarn to use or any other questions about the mystery knit along, please get in touch. You can contact me via my website or email me directly at nevernotknitting at gmail.com and I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. And also be sure to watch the blog and the Never Not Knitting group on Ravelry for updates because I'm definitely going to get the ball rolling on this very soon. So the past few months I've been so very busy and also having a lot of fun getting ready for the Stitches West show in February. Since this will be my first time doing a booth by myself, I am constantly thinking about displays and scouring Pinterest every chance I get for ideas. I have also ordered so much yarn. So much. It of course doesn't look like a lot on paper when you're placing your order until it actually starts arriving. A few weeks back, I received the first of two shipments and I saw nine gigantic boxes of yarn come through the doors of my tiny shop. The UPS man looked at me like, what is going on here? And I looked at him like, what have I done? I received about twice the amount of yarn that my tiny shop can even hold. And this is only one shipment, people. This is the first shipment of two. I've got another just like it coming next week, and it's all for Stitches West. Fortunately for me, my nearly 10-year-old daughter thinks that using the pricing gun and pricing all of the yarn is 
pretty much the most exciting activity in the whole world right now. So she is slowly but surely making her way through the pile. Before winter break started, she was even asking if she could price yarn before school in the morning. I'm glad she's found a hobby. So if and when you see me at Stitches West this year, I should be fully stocked with Quince & Company yarn. I will have 10 of their yarn bases with me in a variety of colors to choose from. I will have their Turn yarn, Chickadee, Lark, Osprey, Puffin, Owl, Owl Tweet, Kestrel, Sparrow, and Willet. Now that's a variety of cotton, linen, wool, and wool alpaca blend. Now I know that this is going to be an amazingly beautiful display because their colors are gorgeous. So I really can't wait to see the entire booth put together with all this pretty yarn. In the meantime, however, I'll be here drowning in yarn. I literally feel like I'm living in the theme song of this podcast with yarn everywhere. You really should see my garage. It's just kind of ridiculous. Oh, so a few more things I wanted to tell you about Stitches West. Firstly, I still don't have that booth number yet, so I can't tell you exactly where I'm going to be, but as soon as I find out, I'm going to let you all know, hopefully by the time I record next. Secondly, I'm putting together the most adorable kits that I'm going to have at the show and on my website soon for Susan B. Anderson's little toy patterns. She has the most adorable toys. You've probably heard me talk about it a million times before on the podcast, but this time I'm, I've gotten her permission and I'm putting together the sweetest little kits. So I cannot wait to share those with all of you. So stay tuned for that. Also, lastly, and most importantly, Stitches West is going to be extra exciting this year because I'm going to have some friends joining me at the booth and signing books. Carrie Bostick Hogue, the author of the Matter Anthology book series and the new book Swoon, Maine, and the co-founder of Quince & Company, will be traveling all the way from Maine to be a Stitches. And she's bringing along Hannah Fettig of Knitbot with her, who will also be there at the booth, signing her new beautiful Home and Away book. I'm also super excited to have Kate Oates visiting from South Carolina, who will be there signing her books Knits for Boys, New Guy, and New Girl. We will also have a book signing with Elizabeth Doherty, who you heard from in the last episode, who will be signing her book top down. Basically, it's going to be a blast and you're not going to want to miss meeting all these super talented designers. So remember, if you own books by any of these designers, bring them before you come if you can so you can get them signed. And if not, I have the books there at the booth that you can always purchase when you get there. So on the knitting front, I've also been keeping busy and I've managed to make a little bit of progress on my new book, Baby Botanicals, that'll be due out next spring. I finished another tiny sweater, and I'm halfway through my third. So I'm getting there. I also managed to knit up a really fun and quick little project as a sample for my shop. In the shop I have the book Home by Pam Allen, which is one beautiful book by the way. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you check it out. 
Inside the book, I've always been drawn to these sweet and simple little slippers called the Lily Slipper Flats. And I was looking for another fast little project as a little break from my design work. So I took home the book and one skein of Quince & Company Osprey yarn one night. And a few short hours later, I had the sweetest pair of little knitted slippers. So quick, I couldn't even believe it. The other exciting thing to me is that these slippers took hardly any yarn to make. I still had so much left over that I could make at least one more pair just from this one skein of yarn that I got. Pretty economical, don't you think? So for around $6 and a few hours of work, you could give a really nice hand-knit gift to someone. $6, that's like shopping at Target. That's pretty unreal when it comes to a nice hand-knit gift out of nice materials. The slippers in the book call for three colors of yarn, but I just made my pair plain, just one solid color. I think I used the color name um, Chanterelle, which is kind of a light tan. But I dressed mine up a little bit by sewing this cute little wooden button on the top. And I think it really added a lot to the look of the slippers. If you wanted to get even more fancy, you could do a little bit of embroidery or applique on the top. That would be really cute. Or I was also thinking that maybe adding a leather or fabric sole to the bottom would be nice. There's lots of options. My daughter absolutely loves these slippers that I made and was very disappointed when she learned that they weren't for her. So I have to knit up another pair for her soon. I've posted pictures of my finished slippers on my blog and also on Ravelry if you'd like to check them out. They're really cute. So in this episode, I have another beautiful knitting book to share with you, entitled The Art of Slip Stitch Knitting by Faina Goberstein and Simona Merchant Dest. I'm, I really hope I'm pronouncing those names right. Please forgive me if I made a mess of that. And this book is published by Interweave Press. Interweave asked if I would be interested in reviewing this title, and I immediately said yes, because the techniques explored in this book are very unique and very interesting. As knitters, you're probably familiar with slip stitch patterns. You've probably seen them before in some stitch dictionaries. But I guarantee that you have never seen slip stitch designs like the ones featured in this book. I've been knitting for a, a long time now, and I've never seen patterns like this. I've never personally run across the techniques in this book used for manipulating stitches. I'm so impressed by the creativity of these designers. For instance, when I think of slipping stitches, I've never really thought of using slip stitches before as a tool in your knitting. So to test your knowledge of slip stitches, I'll ask you, have you ever thought of using slip stitches before as a way to form three-dimensional knitted fabrics, to produce horizontal chains and cables? What about imitating ferrule patterns while working flat? Cinching or gathering fabric horizontally or vertically? Or using slip stitches in your finishing work to create crisp edges? 
or to bind off stitches? Is your mind blown yet? So just to back up a bit, I should probably explain what slipping a stitch actually means. If you aren't familiar with it, it may seem like it's something really complicated, but I assure you it's not. It's simply moving a stitch from your left needle to your right needle without working it. That's it. It's as simple as that. But when you're slipping a stitch, however, you'll end up with a horizontal float of yarn in your work, connecting the stitches on either side of your slipped stitch. Where the creativity comes into play is what you do with this float thereafter, or how you mix up the colors, or on what side of the fabric this float ends up on. Usually you'll see the float on the wrong side of the fabric, but I was really impressed with how several techniques in this book incorporated these floats into the actual stitch pattern on the right side of your work. This book contains not only a variety of stitch patterns for you to play with, but several garment patterns and accessories that incorporate several different slip stitch techniques. There's also a great instruction section that covers all of the basics. So if you're looking to expand your knitting knowledge or to try a new fun technique in the new year, I recommend that you check out this book. I'll be providing a link to it in the episode's show notes. Also, Interweave Knits has kindly contributed a copy of The Art of Slip Stitch Knitting to this episode's drawing giveaway. So if you'd like to enter to win a copy of your very own, please leave a comment on my blog under the show notes of episode 94 by January 15th. Now, don't forget to leave your contact information so that I can be sure to get in touch with you if you are selected as the winner. But that is not all. I have another surprise for you. This episode's knitting story was contributed by Faina Goberstein herself, one of the very talented book authors and designers. This is her personal knitting story, entitled Yarn Shock. One time, on the cold winter night in Russia, a woman who was my neighbor pulled out her ball of white yarn and five metal double-pointed needles and showed me how to knit. I was eight, and the moment I made my first few stitches was so magical to me that I will never forget it. I was so shocked that out of string of yarn you could make a fabric by simply making a loop after loop with some manipulations. Right away I knew that it was much more to me than just mechanical hands motion and that knitting will be with me forever. Whatever I did in my life after that, working as a design engineer, leaving the country I was born in and adjusting to my new life in America, raising children, teaching math at the university and so on, my knitting never left me. It was always my loyal friend, my creative outlet, my meditation, and an easy way to make friends and settle in a new place. When I lived in Soviet Russia, although many people knew how to knit, government cared less about 
producing different kinds of yarns or knitting books or tools. Yarn was sold in the department stores and only of two kinds. One was worsted weight yarn and rough and the other one was fine merino. One was priced at 350 and the other was 5 rubles per skein. People referred to them even by price. Many people, however, including the woman who taught me how to knit, couldn't afford these prices. And they were unraveling old sweaters or scarves to make a new project from that yarn. When I came to America in 1981 and we settled in a small university town in California, I found the yarn stores there and couldn't believe my eyes. The variety of yarns of hundreds of fibers and colors gave me my next yarn shock of my life. It took me some time to adjust to the abundance of yarn I saw, and it boosted my creative juices. I was knitting project after project and did a lot of custom knitting designs at that time. Just as I gotten used to having so many choices and knitting books and magazines around me, my husband was invited to go to Monash University that is in Melbourne, Australia. It was for a few months, so we decided without two kids um, to join him. It was our summer. We had vacation um, from school and uh, it was their winter time. When we arrived, I joined a knitting group, of course, and learned from these English-born ladies about everyday life in Australia. They gave me a whole list of places to visit and stores to shop, including, of course, some yarn shops. Well, you know what I started with, right? I went to a yarn shop. It was located at the mall on the second floor. I walked into it and here I got my other and stronger yarn shock. I have never seen that much yarn in one place. The shop was not the type you see in America. It was not a community building and teaching environment. It was just a retail shop that sold yarn and some ready-made sweaters. There were some tables with displays and salespeople were behind the long counters. The room was large. Walls were covered by beautiful wooden shelves from floor to ceiling and they were full of yarn for any taste. I was standing in the middle of the room trying to look very cool and not too surprised. In a few minutes, I came to the state normal enough to shop and skeins started to lend themselves into my shopping basket. Meanwhile, a customer asked the salesperson to get some yarn for her from the shelf. What happened next registered in my head like a mystery movie scene. The salesperson came up to one of the wall shelf units that looked like a tall bookcase 
and open it like a door and like it would be a secret passage or a door behind it. Well, it was not. It actually was another bookcase full of yarn. She opened this one also, and there was another one, and it continued for a few more. At this point, I understood that behind each shelf unit, there were probably six or more of shelves, and they were all filled with yarn that altogether could take a good-sized warehouse. I looked around the room and saw it as it was, a huge treasure box of yarns. I came out of the shop with two suitcases worth of yarn. Honestly, I was so scared to go through the customs when we were returning home and prepared my speech explaining that I'm not bringing this yarn to America to sell and I'm going to knit out of this yarn and I'm already planned all the projects that I'm going to do. Well, to my surprise and somewhat disappointment, custom officers didn't even look at my yarn and I safely brought it all home. Now that I, that was a realization that I'm not in Russia anymore. And my thought was, what a difference and how lucky I am to be here. so much for sharing your story with all of us. I'll be providing a link to Fena's blog and Ravelry page in this episode's show notes if you'd like to pop over and check out her beautiful design work. If you listening enjoyed Fena's story and it made you think of a knitting story of your very own, I invite you to please get in touch. I'd love to hear your story and possibly share it on a future episode. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found over on my new website at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry under the name Never Not Knitting. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, everybody, that's it for episode 94. I hope that you'll join me again in the new year for another new episode. And until then, happy knitting. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad Pop ramen again She just won't stop the stitching and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. 
no pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear. There's yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching. And, well, she's losing all she had.